Welcome to the PCS to Corporate America podcast from Cameron Brooks. Our mission here at Cameron Brooks is to help educate junior military officers about their transition options and to inspire veterans to transform their lives and their careers. Well, welcome to the podcast, Eric. It's great to have you here. Um, as uh, the listeners uh, may not know, uh, Eric and I go way back um, many years. I was a youngin at Cameron Brooks when, when Eric came through. <laughs> right. And in many years, we've worked together on the side of you interviewing junior officers and hiring them for your organization. So welcome to the podcast. I th- it'd be great if you could start off, Eric, just introducing yourself, a little bit about your military background, your transition, and your career uh, thus far to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Joel. Appreciate you having me. Um, and we do go way back. Uh, in fact, all the way back to about 2006, 2007-ish, when we first uh, started talking when I was still at a JMO. Um, I was a former Navy, uh, Naval Aviator from 99 to 2007, and went through uh, my Cameron Brooks conference in uh, Charlotte in um, in 2007 and transitioned into the industrial gas world where quite honestly this this brings me back to um back to one of the reasons i've always felt um you know that that going back to cameron brooks is such a great opportunity because this this career for me has been absolutely amazing the company i work for has been amazing to me the opportunities um that have presented themselves have been amazing and quite honestly, I don't think I would have gotten here had it not been through Cameron Brooks. It's not an industry that was on my radar or that I really even knew existed until being presented with it through uh, through the conference, really. And um, and that to me has always stuck with me, and I, I've always appreciated that. So so thank you, Joel, for having me having me back and continuing to uh, to have a relationship over the last oh, decade or more. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. And it's so interesting. You know, we weren't going to necessarily get into this, uh, but I think it's a great point about didn't even know industrial gases exist. Um, my goal is always to talk less in these uh, podcasts, but I end up talking more than I should. <laughs> That's okay. And the point I want to share is that I, for the listeners here, for the JMOs or the alumni that are listening, it's every single conference. Every single conference, there is a company or an industry. I'm like, I had no idea. I had no idea that something like this existed. I had no idea there was a company like this. Of course, my first introduction to industrial gases was at my absolute very first conference in August of 1999. Uh, The listeners aren't going to totally understand this, but uh, if we had podcasts back in the day, back then, Absolutely, Jack and Jay, who you know very well, uh, the listener, these these two gentlemen were like the champion for junior military officers in Eric's company. One was a, a HR talent acquisitions person, and another one was a um, a you know like a regional uh, engineer um, problem solver for customers out there. Jack and they they championed junior officers and. Um, and we're going to get into into this into the podcast, but they. But my point back to the my first conference, I sat at lunch with them. Um, my very first conference on like Monday, 
And I'm a I'm 26 years old, brand new at Cameron Brooks, and they're 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 teaching me everything about industrial gases, and I had no idea how much industrial gases are used in food chilling, um, that they're used in beverages, to electronics, to medical, uh, to I have a Ford truck now, uh, the, to shaping the aluminum that was using it to hydrogen. They were talking about that back in 1999, hydrogen fuel cells. They were saying this is color. They were talking about. I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Creation of those. So it's something we hear often from our alumni that I had no idea, and it's been a great choice for me. So thanks for sharing that point. Absolutely. Yeah, and it it wasn't um, isolated, right? I mean, throughout the entire conference, and and I know this still to be true today, that um, the industries and the companies and the people and the alums specifically that go back to those conferences. Um, I mean, they are top quality people and companies that are that are at your represented at your uh, conferences. So we have some stiff competition out there, and we uh, we aim to make sure that we find the right fit for the candidate, as I know you do, and and for us the right fit for the company, which is really important. Which is the main reason that I wanted to invite you on as a guest here, Eric. I mean, we could be here. We were on for fifteen minutes before we started talking. That's right, Rear. We certainly could do a whole separate podcast about your career progression and the technology that you've been using and um, all of that. But to stay on the point of the top, we're going to talk about hiring junior officers. Right. And you've been, how long do you think you have been involved in a role of hiring junior officers into your organization? I would say uh, my my direct involvement's probably been in the last third. So I've been here 16 years. I would say in the last five or six years, I've been directly involved, indirectly involved prior to that as kind of an influencer and and a kind of a secondary interviewer. Um, but as a primary person attending the conference and really uh, advocating and trying to find JMO candidates from Cameron Brooks, I would say about five or six years. It in. And you mentioned this at the career conference that other you're working with other managers who have openings, so you're representing them at the conference. Like you were at the last conference, right? And you're looking for two different That's positions right. that really aren't even in your your chain of or your chain of command, if you will. And you're they're not you're a decision maker, but they're asking you go find us talent, and you're coming to Cameron Brooks to help them find people for their teams. That's right. It's um, it, that's exactly right. So the openings aren't haven't always been specifically for roles that I have opened on teams that I've been on and that I've managed. It's uh, for across the organization, um, and that's to me that's I think there's um, there's an experience that you need to build in order to uh, to be able to interview effectively and to really find the right candidate and represent the company the right way. And, um, and and I I find it to be extremely rewarding, and, and I find it to be a privilege to be able to be in that type of role and be asked to do that uh, for my company. Tell tell me what what is it that you your company your company's been hiring as I said at least since ninety nine. I know it was before that. Oh well, before that. Well, right. there's, you're, you know, there, there, there are probably before that. We're probably talking the late eighties. That's right. Oh, absolutely. There are, um, there are, um, you know, Cameron Brooks alum throughout the entire organization and at all levels of the organization. Um, and, and they have certainly had an impact. 
So Cameron Brooks alum are, are no strangers within the, uh, the company, for sure. I mean, I can, th- I can think of three that have, that I worked with pretty closely that are now retired. Uh, <laughs> from, yeah. that, that were alone, Cameron Brooks alone. Right, right. Went to work right. Through, I'm not talking just Jack and Jay, who were probably hired them back in the 90s, but these people are now, since have, have retired, That's uh, right. gone on to other things. Um, what, so what is it about the junior military officer? Because you look for, for people in, in sales, engineering related say, you know, so engineers are working with customers, engineers that are doing projects. You do operations as well, like team leadership roles. You really cover the gamut of types of positions that companies like you, you're a little bit more involved in the technical side, but in terms of the podcast is really more for junior officers overall. What is it? Because you can go source from colleges, MBA schools, your competitor, and you certainly probably do that. We, yeah, we don't source junior officers at all. Why does why do you and your organization look for the junior officer? Well, I'd first start with saying when you hire the wrong person, when you get it wrong, it can set you back significantly. Right? It is a significant impact to the organization hiring the wrong person, and by wrong person, I mean the company wasn't a fit for them, and, and vice versa. Right? We got it wrong for whatever reason amount of time, effort, and really opportunity cost that you lose when you get that wrong is is really impactful. And what the JMO, um, what the JMO does is in, in Cameron Brooks specifically, you mitigate that risk. Right? I mean the data has shown, the history has shown, like you mentioned, there's people that have retired from my organization that are Cameron Brooks alum. The data and history has shown that that risk is mitigated. Candidates that come into the company Right, they're driven. They're competitive. They have. Uh, they are talented, and it mitigates that risk of getting it wrong. And when we find the right match, it's not just it's not just a good experience. It's a great experience, right? To be able to maneuver and navigate through leadership positions within the company, and when you see that type of success from a source, y- you want to repeat it, right? And uh, and that's that to me is kind of the heart of why. A Cameron Brooks candidate is special. We'll come to the Cameron Brooks uh, junior officer. Which so there's junior officers and there's people that partner with Cameron Brooks. That you know, obviously, this is our podcast, so we're gonna talk a little bit more about. Oh, sure, yeah, that's right. But I want to talk back to the junior officer, though, overall broadly. What is it that your organization? So you you, you talked about you get the right fit because they're competitive, they're driven. Um. What what else do you value from a JMO? Or maybe another way to ask the question is, what do the JMOs possess that allow them to be successful or differentiate themselves within your organization? Well, so Joel, like I mentioned really early on, right, I didn't know the industrial gas company for, uh, business, for example, existed prior to even interviewing uh, and hearing about them at the conference. So not many people coming out of the military will have specific industrial gas experience, I mean, and most likely none of them will. Um, we can teach that, right? If they have the technical aptitude, they have the, you know, the, the, the degree and the experience, we can teach that part of it. What we can't teach though are winners, right? That winning attitude, 
being a positive influence in the room, willing, you know, willing and knowing and effectively working in teams, um, being, you know, consistently demonstrating success under adverse conditions and difficult circumstances, dealing with all different types of people, right? Difficult people, positive people, influencers, and, and really knowing how to navigate that. Those are the, those are the type of things you can't teach. And when you have those qualities in a JMO, uh, it, you know you can you know you can bridge the gap on the other side of it. It's in, 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 so those characteristics and traits you find in most junior officers that you guys you all are interviewing, that then reduces the variability of the hire. What types of things do you see that cause maybe things to not necessarily JMO, but make a mishire, if you will, or something where it's not a good fit? What have you seen as a watch out? in the past and hiring somebody where it could be, or your experience of hiring somebody didn't turn out? Well, it's, it's, it's difficult on paper. Um, and it's difficult. I feel in 30 or 45 minutes or even an hour to really get to know somebody. Um, I think of Cameron Brooks or a JMO. I, let me switch back to almost specifically Cameron Brooks. When, when you present us with a candidate that is pre-screened and that you have aligned the fit, you know what we're looking for. It's like a referral from somebody that we know, right? I mean, I know you, Joel. I've known you for, you know, for a long time. So I, I trust that you are putting your best candidate with their best foot forward in front of me. So there's a history there beyond what I can see on paper and what I can, what I can read into in an interview. I don't necessarily get that from another source where I might not know uh, any more history to the background, right? Um, and, and I think that that is the difference. I sure. So the, the the listeners here may not know. So Chuck's on the client side and manages the clients and works more closely with Eric than I do. I work with I'm leading on the candidate sourcing side. But I get to work a lot with Eric at our career conferences. So I've never thought until this moment that it's almost like a referral from a trusted friend, colleague that you've known for decades. When you refer somebody to that organization, there's instant credibility there. I've never heard, I've noted before what companies said, Cameron Brooks puts their process in front of ours. It takes the variability out of it. But I... It, it, I don't know if this will make sense to the people who are listening to this, but when we get a referral here at Cameron Brooks from somebody in our program or one of our alumni, there it's instant. It, I guys so totally relate. There's like this instant credibility, this instant like I'm excited to talk to this person. I'm excited to meet this person because they know so and so. All right. So it's interesting. I've never had that same paradigm. It makes sense because I live in that world. Um. And I would suppose, Eric, it's kind of a statement slash question. I suppose part of that is that referral is that when we get them from Cameron Brooks, not only have you gone through it so you trust it, but you can look across the organization and there's people that are in like, I mean, what role is Leo in? What's his title? Right? That's right. Right. D Director of sales. You have Charlie, who is head of our entire safety. Charlie Kohler is head of our uh, safety program and was a regional engineer. You have... Um, I, I mean, it goes on and on, but you have, um, 
I specifically have many people in the organization that that can relate to exactly what um, you know uh, what I'm saying, right? They they understand the process, they understand the type of candidate, they they also know you and your team, right? So it's not just me that has these relationships. I mean, we we um, we extend that you know beyond just just us and uh, the individual conferences and that. Um, so you're right. It is a relationship that that spans across both organizations. You know, when Roger Cameron, when Roger Cameron decided to pivot his recruiting um, focus to the junior military officer back in like 1968, when we're talking, you know, what are we at 55 years ago now? That's a long time ago. But he was a recruiter. I'm going to get a little bit into history. I don't know how many people know this. I'm not sure how much you know on this area, but he was a recruiter at San Francisco, 1968. Just a, he's in a talent agency, basically. And he's recruiting people for leadership roles, kind of like somebody that's, you know, four or five years out of college. Maybe some college graduates that are looking for jobs, something like that. And, right. you know, the, the talent market, um, dries up because it's 1968 and most of the men are being drafted into um into the into the military and this is you know back in 68 it's more of a male dominated probably professional workforce it's certainly a lot more diverse and we got a lot more work to do but it is more diverse now but so he decides okay these people are coming back from the vietnam war and they need jobs and he conceives of this idea of the development candidate with not by himself, but with Johnson and Johnson, um, Procter and Gamble, and ExxonMobil. I mean, these are his three big clients that he decides, and he kind of talks and collaborates with them. You know, what are they looking? What is the development candidate? Somebody that can be, go into an organization, get into a position like an application sales engineer that you hire for, or an account manager, or a project manager role. And then they can move, take that, do well, and move across, move up, and move to higher levels of leadership responsibility. The reason I share that story for the listeners is that companies still hire Cameron Brooks for that today, even though there's a lot more movement within organizations. People do leave probably a little more frequently, leave and sometimes come back. But I think if you look at when you look at Messer and you mention these other people, and even you, Eric. You, when you're hiring, you're not just looking for the initial position, but you're saying, you know, we've got these people that we've hired that are in these key roles. Future. Oh, absolutely. A long-term investment. That's right. Yeah, it's, and you know, if you think about just, just from that aspect alone, the amount of, um, the, the amount of time, effort, resource, the, the amount that is expected and that we want to put into training and and getting somebody up to speed and really producing for the company and becoming a leader and there's there's obviously self-initiative there you know involved etc but um you don't want that person to leave and yet and and there's a um you know there's an, a responsibility on both sides right you need to treat people right and you need to give them opportunities and it needs to be interesting and dynamic and rewarding all of those things um but a cameron brooks candidate at least in my experience um they're in it for the they're in it for the long 
long-term. Uh, there's a long-term investment that they're making in themselves and that our company is making in them. And, and that having that alignment is really critical. Um, you know, if you have, um, if, if you have people that are hired that move from company to company, uh, those are, those are sometimes red flags, right? That is, uh, that's, that's not what we're looking for here. We're looking for somebody that wants to come to our company and make a career of it. Right. And, um, and, and that's what we typically have seen. So let's, let's pivot into these, you know, for the last part of the, the podcast here is maybe we could peel, pull back a curtain on an inter- what an interview is like from, from a hiring manager's perspective. You know, I think the 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 officers and all of our audio teaching on interviewing our videos, some of the content that we put out probably are sick and tired of us hearing us <laughs> talk about what it's like to, to interview, what they need to do. When you interview junior officers, what tell me what it's like from your experience. What you know, what how does it go from your side of the table? And um what do you, what do you what do you like to see when you're interviewing somebody? I'll tell you that the interviews that when they are when we end the interview 40 45 minutes into it and I get done with it uh, with a candidate when I feel really good it's when I've had a really good engaging conversation where there is a shared and a contribution of ideas and questions and really both of us getting to know each other as best we can in that short amount of time um, and about the role. If it is one-sided in the dialogue, either from myself or from the candidate, it typically doesn't feel all that great. Either I have not, if I'm doing most of the speaking, it's hard to get to know somebody. And then vice versa, it's if, if, if they are dominating the conversation, it's then difficult to know do they really understand the role and what the company has to offer? Because I haven't had a chance to to uh, to, to to get that across yet. So really, that collaborative kind of dialogue, where you're sharing the time effectively, I think is is a sign of a good interview. I key in on a couple words there: sharing, dialogue, engaging conversation. This kind of the antithesis of what people might expect an interview is like, where I've got my list of questions and hey, thank you. Please sit down. You know, it's nice to meet you. Uh, tell me about you. Why are you getting out? What's your best accomplishment? How do you do this? How do you manage projects? Why are you interested? What questions do you have? Okay, thanks. We'll let you know how it goes. I think there's a perception interview is I'm going to put you through an inquisition versus right. you use the word engaging conversation. That's right. Yeah, the um, I, I find that questions that are asked, um, you know, in the interview by the candidate, when 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 somebody is naturally curious and really engaged in the conversation, the questions are very, um, it flows and it is not awkward in any way, right? It's not pre-prepared. It's not, um, you know, it's not. Oh, it's time for me to get a question. When you are really engaged in, in good dialogue and you're having a Kind of a thoughtful discussion with the candidate, those questions just come naturally, and, w- and when they do come naturally, it kind of furthers you know furthers the dialogue and the conversation. So, it um, yeah, I do like that that dialogue back and forth, and within that, obviously, you know, this is somewhat on the interviewer, 
is you, you know, if there are specific traits that you have to have for the role, of, you know, specific to maybe a technology background or um, something technical like that, you, yeah, it's on the interviewer to kind of sprinkle that in, right? Um, and get a, get a gauge for that. But I really think it's it's a collaborative kind of uh, dialogue, more so than a um, inquisition or whatever term we use to start. You're right. Yeah, so you, are, do you when when you interview, what do you think is the number one reason you you might we somebody could pick the polar opposite, I guess, of this? But what do you think is the number one reason you say no to somebody? Um, probably if if I really don't. If if I number one, if I can't remember the candidate uh, several minutes after, if there's nothing memorable, it, then then it probably tells me that I had a difficult time really getting to know somebody. When you get to know somebody after thirty or forty minutes, you can remember them. If it's difficult to remember them, you probably didn't get to know them. And that to me is is you know that can be a you know that that might lead lead to a no. Um, I think um, I think somebody that is um is is kind of difficult to carry the conversation on if i get you know halfway through the interview and i'm looking down at my notes to try to think of something to say or vice versa it, it something about it and it might be hard to put my put your finger on it but if it's hard to drive the conversation and fill 30 or 40 minutes um then that's that's probably a no also okay what are the candidates that you do interview do well to, to carry the conversation to be memorable right? in a good way memorable i should say yeah good yeah all right good way memorable um you know when um i i think when a candidate is particularly particularly articulate about their experience and you can really relate it to what to what the role is not necessarily what we what what they think we want to hear but in the conversation, in the dialogue, if they can relate experience, oh yeah, that was like when I did X. And let me tell you about that a little bit. And you know, when you get kind of naturally flowing, uh, articulate stories like that, that's that's memorable. Um, I also think that um, you know, when you hire somebody, especially if they're for your own team, you're going to spend a lot of person, a lot of time with this person, right? Training them, being in the field with them, or being in front of customers, or or in an office setting. And if it's somebody at the end, you're like, ah, oh, I wish this didn't have to end. I really, I really enjoyed this person's company. That's memorable. And those are the type of people you want to continue to be around. Those, those lend themselves to yeses very quickly. Now, it's so interesting you said that because if we go back to it, the perception of the interview where I got to have these great answers, but the way that you communicate is just as important as what you communicate. That's right. The that connection. Um, and interestingly, I'm not sure what it was like in the culture of naval aviation, but I think generally speaking across the military, it's not as important to be engaging. It's it, it, right. it, it, And so it's not necessarily something that is rewarded or expected, but in leaders in business at all levels, all functions, if you want to be a development candidate, you have to influence people. You have to influence people. And if you're going to influence people, you have to create some sort of connection with them. Um, yeah, that's that's right. And I think you know, th this one's probably an obvious one, but um, you know, when somebody is is a very, when they're a positive person, when they, they jump out, you know, uh, uh, jump off the screen at you and it is, um, you know, in this case, virtual, 
or in person, that kind of positive positive influence in the room, that positive, in, that's what you want, right? It's the same thing on a sports team. You want that in your locker room. You want that in your, you know, in your company. You want that person to be a future leader. So that that positivity in, in the messaging and that gen, you know, genuine excitement and curiosity, that those things carry a lot of weight. And they, but they have to be sincere. And, uh, and when they are, it really translates. It's great. Well, all really good feedback, Eric. And if I had to sum this up, you talked about the junior military officers, a big reason, a couple of reasons of fit for, you know, your organization, product corporate America is that you got to hire right. You want to hire right. The junior military officer brings that drive, competitive nature, um, kind of winning attitude, positive, and then specifically the track record of Cameron Brooks with people in their organization that have risen to leadership roles. That is the value that you gain from junior officers and Cameron Brooks. And then um, if we could pull it all the way through when you're interviewing the the advice, that uh, maybe, maybe we should say is your, to sum all this up, instead of me summing it up, what would your advice be to a junior officer listening to this about whether it be getting ready to interview, how to conduct an interview, or thinking about getting out of the military? You can go any of those directions, Eric. Any of those directions. Any of those. Or all if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> um, my advice would be um, turn some of that nervousness, uh, some of that uh, anxiousness getting into an interview, that unknown, I would turn that into excitement, right? Because that's really what it should be. I mean, this is an exciting time for a JMO going through Cameron Brooks being put in front of companies that want to be there and want to get to know you, you want them to get to know you and you want to get to know them. So you want to, um, you want to articulate who you are and what you're about and be excited about the opportunity. Um, if I, looking back, I was much more nervous and anxious about, uh, what do I say? What do I do? It, when when it gets when you get down to it, you you've already done all the things. You've already done, you know, the homework. You've already had the you know your military experience. It's or it's behind you, right? You just need to articulate it and present it in a way that somebody can get to know you and and imagine you being in the organization with them and working alongside, and um, and and be excited about it. So that would be my 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 advice. Love it. Great feedback. So for the listeners, their big thing is yes, Cameron Brooks works with you a lot on your interviewing in terms of your answers and the the quality of your answers, but at the same time, work on your ability to be a good listener. Work on the ability to to inter, you know, to carry a conversation, to ask good questions, to make statements of interest, to hear what something said, somebody said and, and paraphrase it back and um, it's more than just being able to deliver a really good, what's your best accomplishment from your military. And I think that that's what we are really after in this, this podcast is one is how valuable junior officers are to business. And two, what are you really looking for? And, um, Hey, be you, but work really hard to build that rapport and be engaging in your interviews. Great messages, Eric. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Joel. I want to uh, just thank you again for, uh, yeah, anytime we engage, it, it's it's fun, uh, and uh, I, I find it really rewarding. And I've appreciated the um, you know our relationship over the years with you and Chuck and the rest of your team. Uh, you know, the rest of your team is uh, is as much a part of this as well. Just making the process, 
from an from a uh, from the company side, from a an interviewer or a um, you know somebody that comes to Cameron Brooks, your team makes it very easy to do business with, and um, that's always always appreciated. You're welcome, Eric. Thanks for being such a great supporter as well. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cameron Brooks podcast. I hope you learned a lot from listening to Eric explain why he's such a champion for hiring junior military officers in the business world and what he specifically looks for when hiring a junior officer into his organization. We have another episode coming up here in about two weeks on June 27th. And this is episode 175, where my colleague Pete Van Epps is going to interview a Cameron Brooks alumnus who's been working for a year or a little bit more in the business world to talk about that first year transition into the business world and what to expect uh, in establishing yourself into the business world and some of those lessons learned. We spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about how to get ready for the transition, how to do well in the interviewing and about different career options. This is a special one. What to expect in year one. You don't want to miss it.